right, so I got you. Um, he said he was having issues, so he should be straight now. There we go. Yeah, thank you, Julius. All right, we all are on. Yes, sir. All right, all right. That's what's up. All right, welcome to the manual, fellas. I know that we've been talking during the week, kind of on text, kind of brushing over. I've sent you guys a couple of episodes to, to get a gist of what it is. Kev already knew from kind of the direction I go in. Very organic, very fluid, very um, not scripted. So I don't know what you guys want to talk about tonight, but I hope I can engage in some of this conversation. And I'm going to start by having you kind of give a brief intro to yourself. Whatever you want to say, it's up to you. Um, and then we can get right into what you guys want to talk about tonight. All right, I'll go. I'll go first since Jules is more important than me. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> so yeah, my name my name is um, Kevin Bradley. Uh, I'm in the DC area. I met Cleve. Uh, we used to get a little boxing work in back in the Indeed. day. Hopefully, in the, in the future oh, again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, I'm a I'm a former felon man. Um, you know, push a little uh, social media things on, on my Instagram profile, uh, Corporate Criminals. Uh, also, uh, drop a few gems in Julius's ear every once in a while. Um, but yeah, just do me. All right, right. Welcome, Kevin, to the show, man. And yeah, Julius, uh, Julius Boatwright. Um, I'm originally from, from Farrell, PA, small town, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm in Pittsburgh now. Okay. Do a lot, do a lot of work in the mental health space uh, with the black community here in Pittsburgh. So that's really where my heart and soul is and in, in doing that mental health work. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, welcoming me to do this with y'all. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, especially during right now, a lot of people is, I mean, it's been, I think 12 weeks for me that I've been home, so to speak. And when I say home, not, I'm able to go out to some aspect, but I'm, I'm in for maybe 80% of my time. So I, I've had to deal with who I am as a person and get get inside my own head so definitely been able to understand what's going on with me and 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 stuff like that is very very important brother so i welcome you to the show so all right guys what y'all want to talk about tonight man there's so much to talk about right now it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's like where, where do we even start how do we dissect all that's going on well first of all let me ask you guys how how do you how do you personally feel about what's going on if somebody walked up to you on the street and says hey Julius hey Kevin how you guys feeling about what's going on can you can you get one or two words in to describe it or do you, do you need a diatribe to be laid out just like I mean to be honest it almost depends on who's asking the question you know okay um, but yeah I mean overall right I mean I'm, I'm glad to see from from my standpoint, I'm glad to see everything that's happening happen. Since you know some of the violence and and people being hurt, you know people's property and livelihoods being destroyed, never want to see that. But you know, um, I'm really shocked. I was just reading a second ago that you know Roger uh, Goodell just you know ad- admitted fault. Um, of course, he you know, did. for his treatment in the in the Colin Kaepernick situation and gets to admonish himself and his league for their wrongdoing. Four years later, man. Welcome to the right. party. Right. When they could have been a partner in, in preventing it in the first place, you know. Absolutely, man. How many how many people probably died since then? Really? Exactly. Yeah, I feel you. So Julius, what are you how you feeling, man? I mean, as an extension of that, like I saw that right before we got on the call. I saw 
you know, kind of a silly, goofy looking photo op of, of Goodell, like, you know, um, getting ready to talk about it. And it just makes me think right now, like a lot of people are talking on, on social media about how being anti-racist right now is a fad. Like it's, it's cool to be an anti-racist right now because um, everybody is, is sharing articles and posts and here's my my recommended books that I want you to, to everybody should read about being an anti-racist and this is how non-black and brown people need to stand up for black and brown people but like are, are you what what, what do your board of directors look like what have you been doing like prior to mm-hmm. a, a global pandemic in a in a in another uh the the other pandemic of, of police brutality so like it's just I don't it is 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 good to see people getting involved that aren't black and brown people, but we'll, we'll check back in in twenty twenty one and see if that'll that still be the case. Yo, I'm glad you said that, man. I'm glad both of y'all said what y'all said. The thing, the thing, how I feel about this, I'm a, I'm gonna leave it on a grassroot level. It's like a barbecue being thrown or a party that you could bring a friend to to to, to see how we get down. And I was saying this earlier, a couple of days ago. I said it took it took the use of some some military police and some regular police for that photo op that the president walked through for them to get a taste of what we've been getting for 401 years. It took it took one afternoon for them. to Oh, my God, my my neck, my back. I'm hurting. I'm feeling bad for them to understand. Like, yo, this is not new. This ain't brand new. I'm glad y'all to the party now. Y'all got invited to the party. Yeah. Did y'all bring did y'all bring something? Because this is this is crazy. Did y'all bring something? Because because a year from now, next summer, next Christmas, are we still gonna be having this conversation? Are you still gonna feel like are you still gonna feel outraged about something? Just crazy, man. Right. And then it's and a then lot you to always, unpack. You always wait for the pendulum to swing back the other way too. Right. I did a I did a podcast today on, on Juneteenth. And I, I'm still amazed every year, man, how many people that I know personally don't know what Juneteenth is. They never even heard of it. Or they heard of it and, and they brushed it off as, as kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, y'all celebrate 4th of July, right? <laughs> <laughs> you need to know what Juneteenth is, bro. You need to really know what Juneteenth is because it, it, it's 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 like your 4th of July. You right. Know? So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But but up until I was 17, 18, I, was, I didn't know about Juneteenth. I'm not even from this country, but I still had enough to say, well, let me find out. I heard I heard the term before. And I'm like, why they call it Juneteenth? Because they couldn't say June 19th. They didn't understand how to articulate that. It was like a Geechee type of Juneteenth. And I'm like, what is Juneteenth? Like, is that a word? And I finally did some research and I'm like, oh, okay. Now I understand where this came from. Crazy, man. It's crazy. The, you, know um, what, you know what's, what's inter- interesting? Thinking about, um, you know, Kevin talking about the pendulum swinging and and like what's going to happen um i'm and you mentioned in juneteenth i remember i don't i don't know if it was last year or the year before last um so do y'all know a, a young 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 brother who's who's here with us in spirit antoine rose jr does that name ring a bell Nah, he was the one from East. He was from East Pittsburgh. Yeah, so this young young brother uh, was probably he was a, a teenager. He was a senior in high school, and this young brother uh, was 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 uh, murdered. Was murdered in cold blood by 
a, a, a East Pittsburgh police officer who had right same narrative who uh, got worked for the University of Pittsburgh police uh, campus police ended up getting kicked off their force for something I believe then he landed himself a job out in East Pittsburgh shout and out then, to Pitt police yeah right and, and, <laughs> and, and so he long story short he ends up murdering murdering this 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 young black brother who's 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 running away from him who wow. doesn't have a weapon who's running away who's about i don't know call it it doesn't matter if he was two two yards away from him he's running away from him with his back turned and he gets uh three three shots to the back that was the chant three shots to the back how you justify that that was the chant and wow. you you saying juneteenth bro we did we 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 marched and protested antoine rose jr's death on juneteenth in downtown Pittsburgh, like a year or two ago. So now, to have this with 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 George Floyd, and people marched marched and protested again. So it's like, like, and, and, and Antoine Rose Jr.'s mom, uh, Jay Z. You know, now that he's involved with with Goodell, he Jay Z and his folks like flew Antoine Rose Jr.'s mom out to the Super Bowl, and they you know treated her with with love and showed her all this you know adoration and respect. And now, she, and now she's back home in 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 the hood, and her son is still dead. Yeah. Like, on a side note, um, did Jay Z get a piece of the Steelers? I don't know. Is that a rumor? I, I don't know. I thought I heard I something about that. Yo, don't don't even get me started on this Jay Z shit, man. <laughs> I don't even know how y'all. I don't even know how y'all feel, man. I, I I really don't know how y'all feel about it. But <laughs> I got I got to admit inter- there's an interesting if you if you uh use YouTube and look up Jermaine Dupree, Jay Z NFL talks, Jay Z I mean I'm sorry uh his interview uh, Jermaine Dupree's interview explains a lot about who Jay Z was at, at those meetings because they they ended up putting J D off the the panel and he was you know he was he wasn't invited into to any more meetings because he spoke up on something and I'm gonna leave it there I'm gonna leave it there bro it. it when it's economics involved, people people conveniently they're conveniently black. When it's economics involved, they're not all the way black. So I'm I'm not the most pro black person out there. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that we gotta check our agenda. My green matters. My black life matters, but my green matters too. You know what I'm saying? Economically, if we want to black out Tuesday or black out Friday or black out Monday, let's black out with our money. So don't don't take a week off. Don't support nobody. Yeah, no doubt. And see what it does. This pandemic in, in less than 90 days took down companies that was 130 something years old. Companies that have been around for over a century. They can't sustain. You know what I'm saying? And, and that was because we just couldn't really go out and buy stuff because they were closed. But imagine if we just said, well, I'm, I'm woefully not going to buy nothing from you. I'm going to shut you down. It's crazy, man. People don't understand that. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, Jules, did you get a chance to plug your organization yet? Nah, you know I'm just I'm 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 uh I'm moving and grooving with the convo, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very <laughs> organic yeah, yeah. man. Give, give, us, give us the plugs. background on, 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 yeah. on what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would appreciate that, brother. I would appreciate you kind of telling us a little bit about yeah, yourself, Kevin. Kevin's been highly of you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm 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 gonna give the abridged version, you know, because I I can get on my soapbox a little bit with it, but you know, it ultimately. Um, you know, started and we, we launched, I launched in 2015. Um, I was a therapist at that point and, uh, you know, had a, had an, ex- had my own lived experience, lived experiences with anxiety, 
with depression, you know, had those moments of like, you know, do I do I deserve to be alive? You know, those kind of thoughts. And, wow. and on top of being a black man and just being like, man, I'm I'm not really knowing at that time that I had undiagnosed, uh, you know, mental mental health challenges. And, um, you know, a good brother that we knew when we were back at Pitt, um, young young brother, he uh, tragically died by suicide. So that was like, oh, wow. you know, it, it was one of them. And I, and I was, you know, a social worker. I was a, a I am a social worker and I, I did mental health therapy. And when he passed away, that to me was like God, the universe, you know, everything in me was like, OK, you need to be you need to really be doing something in this mental health space. So. So I decided, I'm like, man, let me let me start this organization because I was working as a therapist and I was doing work with families. And I'm like, man, the mental health system is is like doing a disservice, particularly mm-hmm. black families. Like they're not one one out of five clinicians are black. So, you know, you got white women and and, and, and I'm not saying that if you're a white man or a white woman, you can't be an effective counselor. I'm saying there's 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 value in somebody who can can. Um, relate and, 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 and just kind of help you break down at least one barrier, right? We got enough barriers to access to mental health. So as many of them as we can break down, that's what we want to do. So so long story short, you know, I launched this organization in 2015. I was going out on, I was literally roaming the streets of Pittsburgh, going into the different hoods, talking to black people about mental health, just asking them like, how do you get services? Do you believe in mental health? Um, have you ever uh, seen a psychiatrist? What's your mental health story in? People would just share their stories, and we we were at that time we were doing like some uh, photographic projects. You know, we were we were taking some black and white photos and and doing different like art mental health slash art projects, telling people's mental health stories and documenting different hoods so people could see like, yeah, the, there's 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 uh, value and and dignity and integrity within these neighborhoods. And oh, by the way, there's black people who care about mental health and healing in their journey. So started out de- December uh, 2015 with 20 bucks. I pulled out of my own, you know, out of my own bank account to pay somebody to have a conversation with me about mental health. And five years later, man, we got a, it still blows my mind. We had about, had about a $300,000 budget started with 20 bucks out of my pocket. Oh, wow. Wow. Like the, the, in the, 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 I attribute attribute that to people like Kevin, to uh, my to 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 my wife, to my mom, to our partners. Like everybody is like, here's what you should consider. You know, what I mean, think about doing this thing or think about doing that thing, and just open so many doors. And now we got, you know, a, a black. We have the the only black mental health workforce development program in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, we've got uh, we're doing free offering free mental health therapy for black people. So we just started a black mental health fund. So if somebody in black person in Pittsburgh wants to get therapy, they can contact us and we'll pay for it. And people are already contacting us from, we have people reaching out from Illinois, DC, Maryland, Florida, Missouri, saying, hey, we heard y'all got money for black people to get mental health therapy. We need we need some of that money. We need, we need to like get this therapy because I got, I don't have a job. I don't got insurance, <laughs> or I got insurance, but that that thirty dollar copay every every week that's one hundred twenty bucks a month. Like that's those are groceries for me and my family. Yeah, yeah. So now I'll stop there and you know give y'all 
give you an opportunity to kind of reflect on that, respond. So, so I had a question, man. Um, and this kind of falls into the same bucket of like black men going to the doctor over a certain age. I mean, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm 46, um, but I'm a young 46. I've, I've lived a lot, <laughs> but I've also lived a little. Um, and when it comes down, I've, and I've dealt with this with many of my friends coming up, and I, you know, obviously I couldn't, I couldn't recognize it then um, to diagnose somebody because I'm not trained in that in that regard. But I've had friends, you know, that didn't want to. I had a friend commit suicide. A friend I used to do music with. It still hurts me to this day because I thought that we had came to some kind of spot where we where we were good, and then he just went went ahead. But um it's like a stigma for black people to go to the doctor to to go to to talk to somebody to unpack because we unpack with the church we unpack with with a pastor or 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 something like that but that's not to me that's not where that that lies that's not a spiritual thing that's that's a mental thing so to speak to that my question i guess is is how do you guys get black folk to kind of come in to say okay you know what let me bear my soul on what's going on with me Mm. I mean, that's an excellent question. It, it's 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 all about the the power of people, right? An extension of church, the power of the testimony. So you know, every everybody has a testimony. Everybody has a story and can reflect on. Man, I re- I remember that time where like I thought I wasn't. I knew I wasn't gonna make it. Like I knew it was a wrap. Like it, I, it was over for me. And I, I had convinced myself. Every I feel like every. Everybody who's honest with with them, being honest with themselves, can can think about that time where they were just like, I don't want to do this anymore. This being life, and to be able research shows re, re, I've, I've researched this that peer support, right? That when somebody says, "This is what I went through," you know, this is how I this is what my recovery looked like. This is what my journey to recovery looked like, and then somebody somebody else would be like. Wait, what? You went through that too? I thought I was the only person that went through that. Because you know how we say, you don't understand. Like you don't, you don't know my pain. Like that's the main thing everybody wants to say. You don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. And I understand there's different levels, right? Of of, of trauma and um, you know, complex trauma and vicarious trauma and different levels of, of depression and severe mental illness. I, I understand that. But there's something about the the, the human experience that's we have similarities in in the human experience from from the uh from the 30 foot thousand foot view i'm about to hit you with something i always say this and this is something um from the, the genetic side of things when it comes to our our situation when i say our i'm talking the african-american experience the black experience whatever it is the trauma of slavery is in our dna that trauma has been passed down through generations in us. In our D- I think it's hard-coded in our DNA. The same, the same problems that you that you face. If you if your father was an alcoholic, you could likely be an alcoholic. Those things are passed down genetically. And I think slavery and the trauma of slavery has been passed down to us because some of us deal with that kind of trauma. If you grew up in the inner city, you deal with the trauma of seeing friends not make it to high school, not make it to college, not make it to the homecoming game. When you come back, oh yeah, I remember since such died a couple of years ago because they was on the streets still. Where we leave those neighborhoods and we go into 
nicer neighborhoods and newer neighborhoods, but we still carry that that trauma. A few weeks ago, a month ago now, I did a podcast episode where one of the guests had said that myself and the and, and the other person was coming from a place of fear because they weren't they weren't African American or they weren't black. So they were saying we come and it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around what she was saying. But then I, I said, yeah, we do come from a place of fear. You know, saying we're fearful of each other, we're fearful of police, we're fearful of any of anybody trying to help us in some regard. But not all not all of us grow up in the same situations. Not all of us grow up in the same thing you know Kevin mentioned to me when he when when him and I met he mentioned something about himself personally that to me I was like wow we made an impression on each other where this man could tell me something like this just meeting me versus me knowing him for years sharing sharing something about himself personally you know what I'm saying so when it when it comes to unpacking I guess air quotes unpacking ourselves do you think that the trauma that we survived, the, those of us who have survived it, you think that's something that's ancestral or you think that's just right now in the moment? <laughs> oh, man. I, mean, I told you, I, man, this, I'm not, I don't fuck around <laughs> in podcast, man. You know, <laughs> Cassie, I, told you, it, man. No, it, I, I love it because the, these are the conversations, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting, um, you know, these, 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 Illuminati, like white, mainly white led conversations around mental health. Um, folks are saying, hey, we need you to we, we, we want to invite you to our call and we need you to tell 150 white CEOs and presidents of mental health organizations how to deal with racial trauma in, 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 the, in the pandemic. And it's like. Okay, <laughs> we know that what you just said that 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 the trauma is in, it's in our bodies, it's in our like bone marrow, it's so deeply and it's in our spirits, like it's in it's in everyone's soul, and right and now and we haven't fully processed that trauma, let alone yeah. the trauma that we experienced as um you know let's let we don't even need to get into like adverse childhood experiences like did you uh. Did, did did uh uh so if, if adverse childhood experiences it's like you know uh a, a, a tool that was created and it was uh it, it was mainly tested out on white people so a lot of the data that they got is questionable um but it's this tool that is used to determine like the probability of you know, somebody may be abusing alcohol into their adulthood or uh, somebody having the potential to develop mental illness. If you have so that the 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 logic is check in the box. Yeah, the logic is like the higher. So if you can you say that you were, uh, you know, sexually uh, uh, abused or did somebody try to fondle you when you were a child? Check. OK, you got one. That's one ace. So your ace score is one. Can you say that? You saw uh, caregivers yelling and screaming or, you know, engaging in. Did you see domestic violence in your house when you were a child Two, check? So if we we know that I'm not going to say all, but uh, a lot of black people grew up in environments like that. So so fast forward to today. Right. No. So we got that trauma in our bone marrow, in our in our bodies, in our DNA. We still haven't processed the trauma from our childhood. We're in a global pandemic and we're still seeing black and brown bodies being murdered on TV. And then you ask us to 
teach about black trauma to a bunch of white people outside of your community like, yeah yeah i, I want like, to speak to something else man that you know and, and wind it back to when you talked about moving into new neighborhoods and different things because I, I think that that's another level of trauma and it was one of the things like yeah. you know when i met you i think one of the reasons why i gravitated towards you like that was um you know to me living in northern virginia was a very white experience and i feel like even the black people that i was around out there were on mute um shout out to maryland yeah <laughs> but um so you know it's like you, you walk around you know bottled up with those emotions and so you know you're glad to be out of whatever trauma situation that you came from but you know it's like yeah. for me when i left you know so i i, I left home this was uh northeast ohio around canton uh ohio um you know when i when i was young and um you know i was a convicted felon a young father i had a baby child support um i had been out in the streets you know for years you know i grew up my dad you know had a uh you know uh drug addiction and you know you know we were in the streets a little bit together before this all happened he did end up going to college and you know getting this stuff turned around but it's like bro i brought all of that stuff with me when i went to college at Pitt. um just to clarify, you know, me and Jules was uh, kind of former semi semi roommates. I, I broke into uh, one of our uh, friends' dorm uh, rooms uh, after he he went away to uh, the military and, and stayed with them for a semester. So, um, <laughs> okay. but um, wow. yeah, so like that, that's how I was getting it, you know, in college, you know. Um, but you know, so you come out of that and then you graduate, you know, and I'm still, you know, I still had. I'm, I'm still smoking Newports and drinking and, you know, chasing girls and, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, I was dealing and, and, and coping with, you know, my, my uh, mechanisms for coping with frustration and anger and stuff, you know, were still more immature than they are now, you know. But so then I leave out of that and I come into a professional system, um, a professional environment and I come into, you know, a new community um that's different and it, and it doesn't embrace you right so you know when you go um further clarification I'm, I'm 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 mixed right so you know my brother um told me you know that you know he always considered he had a, a biracial identity um and he told me that you know when he went to corporate america was the first time that he really felt like just he was just black you know what i'm saying like that's that's what corporate yeah. america you know did you don't basically have any currency of privilege in that environment um and so you know so but but that environment is is hostile and it doesn't embrace you and that's another piece of trauma that we end up carrying with ourselves um you know when we go into these environments then you, you know you have more money you move into a nicer house nicer community and it's the same thing you know your neighbors my first my first day, uh, I moved into Northern Virginia. You know, somebody came and put a wooden cross on, on my front steps. You know what I'm saying? And, and knocked on the door and left. And it's like, you know, so wow. it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a lot of trauma, man. And and instead of getting rid of old trauma, sometimes it feels like in 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 a different way that we accumulate, continue to accumulate more sometimes. And and the reason I said the reason I said said that about the genetic the genetic code of of that trauma I think about um, I think about meat that is slaughtered when a when a cow is slaughtered or a sheep or a lamb is slaughtered if that lamb was scared at the moment of truth that meat is no good it's rancid it becomes 
tough. It becomes hard. It, it's tense. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of a lot of that goes through, I think, us. Um, and speaking further on on Kev's um, great, great eloquently said, um, I'm not from America. I've mentioned that, a, you know, quite a few times on the podcast. I wasn't born. I wasn't born here. I'm a foreign black. I don't use the word African American because I feel that that's like a like a derogatory statement for the you know that's a whole other podcast. But black people deal with levels of we're one of two races that deal with levels of identity and levels of trauma. Like within black people, we have light skin versus dark. We have biracial versus you know straight up black. We have um like oh I'm sorry light skin dark skin. We have um. Um, American born and foreign born just within that dynamic alone is is what we deal with you know and then when it comes down to to the trauma that we carry we all every like I grew up my dad was an architect my mom was a homemaker and then she became an office manager right I would say middle class so to speak but we but we lived in the hood and I always say that I kind of got the best of both worlds because education was literally beat into me. It wasn't report card day. If I came in with a 95, my dad, like, what are other five points at for the 100? Like, 95, oh, oh, you go with 95, you go with that? Okay, if you go with that, then that's what you want for yourself. Like, we wasn't allowed to rest on, like, yo, so education was my way out. That's how I cope. That was my coping mechanisms. Like, you know what? I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a just try to try to have a regular job. And, and, and all that so I chased the corporate dream my whole life I got to that level I, I excelled at that level but like you said what happened to your brother I I, I realized at promotion times at times of, of, of things like that I had to deal with being black that's all they saw oh you grew up here okay <laughs> this is what you deal with so you carry that you know the, the neighborhood that my parents lived in now living now I can go there right now their front door is open manicured lawns like it's the 1950s when I when they first moved out there I was in college and I, and I came home for a visit and I was I felt like I was on the moon there was no cop cars driving by no fire trucks in, you know in the middle of the night I was like it's so quiet out here and it's peaceful it's peaceful and I have to live in that calm that calm was so deafening to me it was ridiculous I was like wow I need to go back to the city and kind of just get the sounds again but I didn't realize that I'm dealing with something. I'm working through something. It's a process. Mm-hmm. Crazy, man. Man, you made me think about <laughs> man, like that, that I guess two sides to the to the same coin. Like, so me being a first generation um college grad a, a, a first generation high school graduate and a first generation college graduate, like and now being <laughs> the first, uh, you know, CEO entrepreneur running on an organization, and having uh, people in in this in this city and in this region be like, "Wow, like you're, you know, we 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 really appreciate what your organization is doing, and you know, you're making a big impact." And then I go home, and my parents to this day still live in the projects where I, uh, wait, where they moved to. We moved out of. Uh, they never owned a home, and then they moved into uh, renting, a, always renting, a, renting houses. And then they were like, "No, what? We can't afford this, so we moved to into uh, public housing." 
So I go home, right? I'm, 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 I'm executive director, CEO when I'm in Pittsburgh and, and, and on social media and in these boardrooms and in these meetings. And then I go home and my, my parents are in the, in, the, in the midst of all the, all the nonsense that happens when you stack, stack black people on top of each other in public housing. So it's like, and then people, people in Pittsburgh are like, they look at me and they're like, you, you got it. You know what I mean? You got it good. And what, what they're like, why don't you, why don't you believe that the, your, 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 your organization is going to make the global impact <clears throat> that, 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 you know, God put in your spirit. It's because I still got that trauma in my, in my heart. When I go home, I still see that. When I talk to my mom, mm-hmm. I still hear it. So I could talk to my mom and she's telling me what's going on. And I could hear my dad drunk, blowed in the background, then hang up and then hop on a call with a, with a, with a board, a uh, board That's member. Deep, like, and, and, and so it, it's, you know, the layers of the, of the, like, <laughs> And, and I feel like black people are the only people that have to deal with shit like that. For real. The only other race I, I, I could think of is Latinos. Because if you're from Spain and you're from Mexico, you don't look at each other the same way. That's the only other it's the only other race, I think. Or And then, of course, if you're Dominican and you're dark or Cuban and you're dark versus somebody who's Puerto Rican and maybe lighter. I, I think that's the only other race that I that I could compare it to to say, well, you know what, they might deal with that kind of thing, that level of animosity or just within the ranks. But that's that's yo, that's a that's such a man. You had me in a spot just now because you talked about like you going from one extreme to another, like you living in living in two worlds, serving two two masters. You know what I'm saying? Like you you have to step out of a. Of a, of a meeting to go into you know you're you're actually counseling your mother if, if you haven't thought about it like that when you and your mother probably talk <laughs> you're probably counseling her you're, you know as if you were counseling somebody trying to give them a good word or a, a better outlook or whatever it is it's crazy man. Then, you know, wow. know kind of tying it back into what uh what you asked earlier about how do we get black people to to, to get over that stigma i remember and in, in, in speaking about my mom I remember she uh, she's a diabetic, you know, she pre- got pre-existing conditions, smoked all her life, uh, COPD. She got sugar, she got it all. And I remember uh, she was in a hospital one time and I, I was probably like maybe two or three years into this mental health work. Um, so I had, you know, I, I, I knew a little bit about, about the, 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 um, the way that medical people should interact with patients whenever they're trying to, to, to talk to them about mental health. And this doctor, um, I, this uh, medical doctor, I remember he, you know, he had a, a good conversation with my mom. So my mom is, a, is, an, is an amputee. And uh, at, at that point in time, he, uh, they, they, were, they wanted to do some physical therapy with her. They had a, a successful, uh, successful uh, amputation. So they were like, all right, we're gonna get your prosthetic and we're gonna start walking, we're gonna start rehabbing. And she had she had so much anxiety because now it's like oh now I gotta I gotta walk with this prosthetic. I remember the you know the doctor and they try to come in and try to explain to her that she was experiencing anxiety, and they left. And I I, I stay in the hospital from sunup to sundown with my mom whenever she's in. There. I'm I'm a mama's boy, so okay. she uh she said she calls me by my middle my middle name. She said Anton. She said. I'm not crazy, am I? 
man, that that <laughs> that moment was like all I do is talk talk about mental health all day and study it and and, and do therapy sessions. Yeah. And my mom asked me that. And I have no there was no clinical nothing that I could give her. Like nothing. That, that's why I said what I said earlier about how do you convince somebody because we we have a stigma with that that if you got to go talk to somebody to unpack your problems that's not a church member that, that's a whole nother conversation that you got to unpack yourself it's like yo i'm not crazy and you're like i'm not i didn't call you crazy i'm not saying you're crazy but when you say i should go talk to somebody like i'm crazy like you so to avoid even having that that stigma or whatever asking for help it's like it's like a, a like a, like a downplay like no I, I, I can handle it it's like you're on drugs but you you say you know what I'm gonna quit tomorrow I'm, I'm gonna just I'm gonna stop smoking that crack tomorrow all right I'm, I'm, I'm good and, you know and and I um I went to see a psychiatrist once after my pops died and it was probably one of the most heart, um hurtful experiences I ever because the dude didn't understand and he actually fell asleep on me as he's talking to me. I, I couldn't believe I was sitting there. I was talking about something. And now I looked at doors asleep. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm out. I'm done. And I haven't, I didn't go back because I never had to cry. I never had to break down. And I love my father. My father was like Ward Cleaver. Like my father was there. He was that dude. And I haven't had, because I see my eight-year-old self not wanting to cry. Like if I, if I go to cry about something. I see myself eight years old. He's like, what you crying for? Men don't cry. We deal with our problems. You know what I'm saying? So I always, always kind of do that. I always kind of, always kind of see that. Like I've seen friends go through stuff and I'm like, that look like, matter of fact, let me, let me unpack something real quick. You know, my scariest, scariest thing in life, one of the scariest things in life for me is, you know, if you go to the hospital for like you sick, you're not feeling well, you, you know, you're coughing, it's, it's bad. You go in, and then the doctor's got to confirm, be like, yo, whatever this is, we've never seen it before, ever. Like, this is brand new, and all we know that you're going to die from this. And the way we look in the tests that we're running, we've never seen this before. So that's the first person who had, who had, who had H, H, HIV or had COVID or whatever. Whatever that first person was, patient zero, I always think about that in mental health. Is there a patient zero? Is this something that you guys have not seen yet, ever? Where you be like, yo, you exhibiting these these symptoms would suggest that you're neurotic or whatever, but you're not exhibiting these symptoms on this level. So it's not it's not this, it's not anxiety, it's not depression. This is some new shit that we have no idea what it is. How, how to even treat you? Have you ever thought about something like that, bro? Wow, you just gave me chills. They're they're saying that some shit like that is gonna come out of this pandemic, like that's gonna come out of this pandemic. Yeah where you're going to have to come up with radical ways to treat stuff because you've never seen it before. That's how you You know, we, we, they talk about they talk about vaccines that, that are, you know, I, I told people, you know, I'm a personal trainer now. I, I used to be in the corporate world, but I'm a personal trainer. And, and the one thing about before COVID, we dealt with MRSA and staph infections in the gym every day. Like that's something you face every day. And those are resistant to vaccine. You catch that, you got to ride that out. You got to ride out that flesh-eating disease. You got to ride that out. So I always think about that. I was like, man, you know what? It's going to be a patient zero for mental health, and then they're not going to know how to treat this person. And then it's going to be something that a lot of people are exhibiting, but they have no way. It's going to be a new science behind this, a new science to come out with this. It's resistant to antibiotics. 
time. I'm a microbiologist. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that's exactly why I said that, Kev. That's exactly why. Like, that's why I, was like, 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 I, will, I won't be able to sleep at night <laughs> if I didn't correct that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so exactly. So I always think about patient zero, man. I always think about who is patient zero. Who is patient zero? You know? Um, and, and if something is new, listen, man, I, I'm a person, I'm a person that have some very obtuse views of, of, of the world. Um, in college, I wrote a paper about God being a woman. I believe God is a woman or a female. I don't believe God is a man. You know what I'm saying? I believe, and, and I also believe that this is all the, our, our, our existence is a dream. God is dreaming all this. And she's going to wake up and be like, you know what? That whole mankind thing, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna be fighting wars famine hunger all this crazy stuff no nope, great idea but not gonna do it you know I, I always think about that I always think about you know existence and and all of that man I was in, I was in my you know the whole quarantine lifestyle I'm in my kitchen you know we got the, the the nice wide windows in there so I'm trying to soak up the sunshine and I'm working and I'm like I'm hearing like a a, a, a bird watcher I'm hearing a helicopter I'm like there's never no helicopters over our neighborhood. Like, what is going on? What was going on is the people people have been protesting all around the city, and they made you know they said, all right, well we're gonna protest in, in on our side of town today. So like now with you know the military style police and and how they're trying to shut down protests. I just remember I'm I'm trying to like send an email and I'm like, is this is this like America now, like, is this like I couldn't? Yo. I, 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 Yo, I was dude. like, this is ridiculous, Julius. It's Novasortis Chlorum, brother. Welcome to the new world order. <laughs> there's drones. There's drones flying around since COVID, identifying people. They tell you to get off the street, but they taking pictures so you that they know you got a warrant or whatever. You know, what I mean, there's bullets that are tracers that they when you you shoot out with police and you get shot, you on your way to get some kind of help at somebody's house, hospital. There's a bullet that got a tracker on it that's like, okay, still in his body. Mm-hmm. He's on this road right here. Go pick him up. This is this is what we're living in. This is Nova Sorta Seclorum. This is this is the new world order. This is this is the new normal. This is the new normal. You got an iPhone, right? There's a the last update. If you could go on your phone, it tells you that against your will, you are can you have to you have to download that. I don't have the facial recognition on my phone because I just didn't want to do that. I got the, I still do the thumbprint joint. And this new thing identifies for, for the tracing method. So if you, you know, obviously if you went to Whole Foods and you was there an hour ago, there was a hit, they could text you and be like, Julius, Kevin, there was a hit an hour ago. We see that your phone was at the uh, at the Whole Foods. So if it, if it wasn't you or was you, you might want to self-quarantine. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get why they're doing yeah. it, but then it's a way to also I mean, every kind of technology, man, we buy, we buy our every, own Every buy technology, our there's uh, nefarious and, and benevolent applications, you know, for it. There's two sides to the coin. And, yeah, you can weaponize it, you know, you can it's use weaponized. it for, for good or, or for bad, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's um, this, this whole thing I was telling somebody offline a few days ago, it, it didn't for us. It, and I always gotta say this: it didn't, it didn't expose anything for us per se. We knew that there are, there are 
dispro- um, disproportionate um, services for blacks in um, at large in certain communities. Um, unemployment has always been rampant. Um, access to educational resources has been rampant. We already knew this. Now the whole world, for, for some reason, got an invite to that party. Like, wait a minute. Like, this is happening? I'm like, yeah, 42, 40 million Americans are unemployed right now. You know what I'm saying? There's people that never had to file for, didn't even know they way to an unemployment office. Like, how do you even do this? You know what I'm saying? Now, now everybody getting a taste of what it is to be a minority. Everybody getting a taste of that right now. Yo, Ju- Ju- and I, people- I, just, I just wanted to ask Jules, though, um, since you had talked about the protests over there, I wanted to get your perspective on um, how, how's the city of Pittsburgh doing? How, how would you rate, you know, the police response and, yeah. and the politicians and, you know, business leaders, community people? Well, the NW, local chapter of the NAACP just fired their recently hired executive director. And wow. the, the, the Pittsburgh chapter of the NAACP is notorious for having, you know, th- there's a narrative of like, you know, when, when your time is up, you know, get up and go, make, make room for, for fresh, fresh blood and young ideas. Well, the Pittsburgh chapter of the NAACP, they, they're not trying to hear that. They're like, we old, we gray, and right. we're not going anywhere. I'm with Dr. Like, we not, we, 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 <laughs> yeah, we're going we to yeah, vote you out. We're going to vote you out. But, but, but they, they were the ones, right? These were the same board members that were silent when I can't remember the, uh, the, the the sister's name, but there was a sister who was uh, who was beaten on camera at a at a <clears throat> at a pizza shop, um, and what what ended up happening is this: it went it went you know nationwide, and we had protests because they wanted to get justice for this this, this sister, and the NAACP were still sending their staff to this pizza shop to, to scoop up pizza for lunch parties. <laughs> Oh man, come on, bro. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> See what I'm saying? See your grandfather marched. Your, your great grandfather marched, and your father marched. I ain't marching, bro. It's not me. I'm not marching, man. This is crazy, man. This is so crazy. Wow. Yeah. They just missed the whole. They missed the whole, the whole parade. Because, like Kev said, man, I'm oh, I'm Marshall Martin. That's that's my equity. Yeah, that's that's what, that's what that. Joe Biden that's like is a, a child star. A child star from the '80s. So famous for being a being on Good Times. Oh, Jimmy Walker from Good Times. Yeah, you know, Good Times went off the air like forty years ago. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this dude still being recognized. Oh, the star of Good Times. Like what? What, what are you talking about? Pittsburgh is not is not is is a microcosm of every city in in America. But they're not responding well. The 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 the, the victims are being blamed and, and and policed more heavily. Um, I watched, you know, we folks have been protesting for, I don't know, probably about a week or so here, five days, six days. And I'm watching people's Facebook lives and you know, the, 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 the black and brown people are like, hey, white people, if y'all here, like if y'all with us, y'all need to like protect us. So stand in front and when they shoot them rubber bullets, they're not built for that, bro. They're not built for that, man. I just told y'all that. Hey, one man. dude got it. You got a little taste of Somebody it. Like, oh, no. one, one, some white dude got his whole eye shot out with a rubber bullet. Rubber. Yeah, it's white. 
Yo, listen. People were like, they were, and I saw photos of people in the, like in a hospital. Like I got shot with a rubber bullet. Like you, like you got it's shot so with a with a a real. You guys, you guys got to understand something, man. I'm an extreme paintball addict. I play, I play extreme paintball. When I say extreme paintball, I'm talking about operation. We run ops, snatch and grab, hostage, all it. We run that type of stuff. And the word bullet is bullet. I don't care if it's, it's a paintball bullet, if it's a rubber bullet, it's a bullet. It's a projectile. And cats out there, that's like telling a cornerback to 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 lower his head on a receiver, like yo, you know, heads up when you see. If I'm shooting that thing, they shoot that thing at you. I'm not ducking. I'm looking right at. Cause I'm not expecting to get hit with anything, and people get shot. You say get shot in the face, get shot in the shoulder, get shot in the arm. It's a bullet. It's a bullet. It's crazy, and it's not man. About, man, it's just it makes me think that that image, right? We you we could if you type in go to Google and type in protest. I, I bet the the eight out of the top ten images will be that like that front line image of the 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 the. the you know, we could keep the sports analogy to the 11. You see the 11 police people in their, their uh, gear. And you see the 11, we're going to call them regular human beings, people in, in, you know, that are protesting. And they're standing there in front of each other. It's like, why? Like, <laughs> like, wh- why? What, what, what's, what's the, why, why are they doing that? What are they afraid of? What are they trying to stop? Bruh. What are they protecting? Bruh. Bruh, it, if y'all, you know, we obviously the three of us have we weren't alive in the in the in the, in the mid to early '60s during some of the things that went on when 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 Northern blacks went down to the South and got a taste of what it or what it's like what it's like to live in the South when they were going down for border registration rights and them things when they were on them buses training training in in New York to say when like when you get off that bus they're gonna be people yelling at you grabbing you throwing you to the ground you're gonna be hit with bricks. It ain't visceral, it ain't real till it starts happening. And like you said, ain't nobody gonna get on Facebook Live and be like, you need to come down and get get in front of me. And like, well, 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 hold on, hold on, get in front of you? I thought I was gonna walk right beside you. No, no, no. <laughs> if they see you, they more likely not to shoot that <laughs> versus seeing me. You know what I'm saying? Versus seeing me. So I, I just look at it like, like you're getting a taste of this. This is everybody getting a taste finally of what this tastes like. You know what I'm saying? You see it all the time. Everybody see the barbecue. But then he's like, oh, "What it tastes like? Oh, you want you want are you, are you want a piece of this? You want yeah. a piece of this fried chicken? How does this taste to you?" Well, and that's the thing, like, the barbecue analogy. Like, there there wasn't an there wasn't an invite though. Like that's the thing now. So the the, the thing now is like it's cool to be an anti-racist. So now I see a lot, a yeah, lot of crashing the party. Yeah, a lot, a lot of activists, a lot of a lot of a lot of black women that have been carrying forget Pittsburgh. The, the goddamn globe on their backs and now we have just all, like all these white people that are like yo I'm protesting it's like we protesting for black people like that's what this protest is so now we got 80-90% of the protesters are white and it's like what it's almost like drowning out the black pe- the black voices in the pro, it's drowning out the the healing. Protest is a, is a part of healing, and it's drowning out the healing. Yeah, you. I, that's a that's a poignant statement, man. That you are absolutely, you are absolutely one hundred percent right in that regard. You're absolutely one hundred percent. I mean, I mean, we all. I mentioned a couple of days ago 
that it's cool to only be black through the culture. It's cool to be black for hip hop or rap music or sports. It's cool for that shit. You know, it's cool for the VMAs and all that. But when you really got to get something done or something said or speaking up for somebody, I'm going to see where your real loyalties lie. Are you down for that? Because people want to know, oh, man, Kevin, how you feeling? Julius, how you feeling? I'm like, how you know how I'm feeling. But if you really, if you really ready to have this conversation, I don't think you're ready to have this conversation. Because you, I'm gonna unpack some stuff, man, that you just don't know. But you getting, you getting to see it now. You know what I'm saying? This, the Floyd, the Floyd situation is no different from, from the dude Walter Scott from Tamir Rice. You know what I'm saying? But to, to, to watch, to me, it was more human because when I saw, the, when I initially saw that that thing, I saw it and I didn't process. When I watched it, the entirety, I didn't see black and white I saw a human being and a human being I was like wow you treat a human being like this like you crush it this man peed if you look at he peed on himself yeah, and shit on himself because he had a, he had a heart attack he, if you look at the video there's water running down from under the police vehicle and that was him he peed on himself because he had but they say that's what that's what happens when, when you die man you know they, totally those muscles relax you know that was holding yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. bladder on it. Yeah. Yo, but can, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I speak to that real yeah. quick though? That that is no had a, I had a conversation about it. So yeah, uh, number one, I was just looking um before we got on here um at you know some videos about you know the worst of 2019, man. And it's like we've been so bombarded with just insanity from all directions over the last four years in particular even with the build-up you know from summer of uh 2016 and 2015 and all of that Trayvon but it's gotten crazier and crazier and crazier every year but I think one of the reasons that we're seeing this reaction is number one you know you think about all of the stuff that you forgot in recent history there was uh the cop that was planting drugs on everybody right I remember that he was uh they had video evidence he was dropping the little mm-hmm. bags of meth in people's cars and, and then you know somebody got their kids taken away and all of that yeah. uh turns out most of his victims from that were white you know then i'm watching uh there was a, a guy with mental illness who got pulled out and tased and you know stomped out you know another white guy so you know it's, it's you know i think one of the important things that to, to keep in perspective here though is you know the black community is definitely disproportionately affected but this is a safety issue for everybody and i really think that people are really coming to acknowledge that i don't know if people were scared if they were scared to speak up about it yeah well or, you well you you just said it you you just said it it's it's we on the forefront of it. It's called it, it ain't called police white brutality. police brutality or black right. po- police brutality. It's called police brutality, and the police forces are militarized, bro. If you look at when you were a kid, we, we when we were all kids, I mentioned this before. In the neighborhood I grew up in, we had the PAL. I used to box for them. We had the PAL. They had a softball league. They had a football league. Pop Warner. And those officers, Officer Jones, Officer Stevens, Officer Michaels, they lived in the community. Like they lived down the street from you. They worked and lived in that community. So if a store got robbed, it wasn't about no snitching. People was like, yo, this is our neighborhood. Officer Michaels, he that, that guy, he not from around here. He the one that robbed the store. Like that used to happen. And they used to carry one little gun. Now they carry assault weapons. Now they 
now you got SWAT teams looking like SEAL Team Six, yeah. and you got regular police looking like SWAT it's, teams. It's frightening. This is this is this is our reality. It's police brutality. These dudes military. If you remember, and y'all remember, y'all might not remember this case, but the dude's name is Micah Johnson. Micah M I C A M I C uh, A H. Micah Johnson. He was the dude that killed them five police officers in Dallas. He was military trained, but he had mental illness, and he snapped. I forgot who got killed that year, and he snapped, and he went into the office buildings, and he had a couple of spots where his weapons was put down. Military trained cap, and they stuff like that is why the police militarized. They like, you know what? We're not gonna do that. I've seen videos of Montana militiamen on government property talking about, yo, I'm I'm taking this in the, in the name of the Constitution for our rights, and they holding AR-15s at police. Like, yo, get out of here with that. And there ain't no ain't no altercation. There ain't no takedown. Ain't nothing. They just bounce. Yeah, the bikers Texas, remember a couple too. years ago shot up that street. You know what I mean? Like we black people, we we marching, bro. What the fuck we marching for? Stop the marching shit. Like, like we need to understand. They, the more we march, the more we gonna get our ass kicked. Economically, we gotta do something, or or it gotta be all out. And I'm not advocating. I'm not advocating violence. So anybody listening, all my listeners that I've, I've I've been amassing, I'm not advocating that. I'm not coming from an angry space. And what I'm saying is that, is that we at that fever pitch moment now to either. Do something, say something, speak up or speak out. Always, that's the difference my parents taught me. Speak up is like, hey man, what's going on? Speaking out is just yelling out shit. Yeah. Yelling out shit. Like, so just, just, just one more thing to my other point too, though, that I, I wanted to say about the George Floyd death, man, is um, another reason I think it appealed, man, was because it, it had a cinematic quality to it. Um, that some of the other ones didn't have, you know, there there was mm. a little a little tension or whatever, but then pop pop, you know what I'm saying, and it's all over, you know what I'm saying. But this played out like it's a movie, over. Man. Yeah. You had people, you know, you had the situation. There was a chance for a different resolution. You had people intervening, and the whole time you watch it, you thinking the Asian cop is going, you know, be like, yeah, you know what, y'all right, fuck, get off, you know what I'm saying. But it never happened. Right. It never happened, and yeah, then yeah, finally, yeah, you know, the dude stuffs out. Yeah, and yeah, you're right, Ted. You're right. Where's this cop? You know, still sitting there with his knee on his neck, man, adding insult to injury. And you know, you you literally watch him go through all of these stages, uh, you know, before death, begging for mercy. And there's all these opportunities, man, for it to have a different outcome for one of the people that was an onlooker to step in and you know put themselves, you know, in harm harm's way to kind of break it up or whatever and it never happened man and, and it was it was a it was a it was it was a tragedy man it's a cinematic tragedy to that point kev to that point i want to add something we both boxed and we know how long three minutes, three minutes when, when i'm getting worked round. out by you. three minutes is a lot of combat <laughs> yeah. forever yeah. <laughs> everybody says that man. i don't even <laughs> but three minutes combat but we get a minute to to, to stop my mom said she stood in solidarity at the at the on the memorial service on tv she said she stood in her in her bedroom for the eight minutes and 46 seconds and she says i didn't realize how long how long a time that is for somebody to be on you non-stop with it or to readjust their weight on you like yo hold up let me get up in there a little bit more and i said i said i know for a fact the hood that i grew up in i'm telling you for a fact that that wouldn't happen like that just as when they took Freddie Gray down, 
they, they was throwing rocks at them officers as they were taking him out because I think Freddie was already broke down at that point. Like when they picked him up, his legs was limp. I was like, yo, he's done. Whatever they did to him, he's he's done. And I'm like, nobody could throw a brick at this dude or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But like you said, Ken, we was waiting for that for that that moment. Like you waiting there, like oh, okay, somebody gonna step in and, and do something, or he gonna finally get up off him. He gonna do something. We all waited and watched that, and ain't nothing happened. It was like the end of the Sopranos. Did they get Did they get yeah. whacked? Did the whole family get killed? What happened? And you watch somebody literally die in front of you yeah. on TV. Hey, I just you know literally what I had to force myself to just watch it again today. Um, you know the worst part, the cops they dapped yeah. each other up when it was all over. Yeah, they left. Yo, they left like it was. They was going going back on patrol. Like they just they literally packed everything up. It was like, yo, you want to get something to eat? Let's go. And they rolled out, bro. And the people that picked him up, they the cops that picked him up, they him on gurney. Him. But yo, they didn't I... take any kind of care. Yeah, they. Yeah, you got a neck injury, possibly brain injury. They gonna put yeah. you on a gurney, like yo, just get him up off the off the pavement. Yeah, so I, I think all I think Crazy, all of those man. reasons were why people. Uh, Jules, you still there? You know, kind of related to this a little bit differently, man, because it it didn't happen as fast as the other ones. Yeah, my I had a conversation with somebody who um, brother I'm working with, we're working with to do some me- mental health and public health work. And he's a he's a public health um, advocate, black black uh, brother. And he said to me, "You know what? I c- I can't watch the video. You know, I can't watch it." And and I've heard people say that before. And then he explained why. He said, "I can't watch it because if I watch that video from beginning to end, right? And 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 Kev, you talk about that cinematic effect, that 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 slow motion. It's just like this is so long, and you're." You're hoping for a different ending and you watch it and you're like, there's no way that this this human being is actually going to do this long enough to kill this other human being. There's no way. There's no way it's going to happen. Yeah. And then That's it happens. That's He's like, if, if, if I if I watch that and I let that marinate in my spirit. Then I then I then I start to lose my own humanity. Not not even my belief in humanity. My own my belief in my own humanity. Like so he's like, I can't watch it. I can't process it now because I need to, I need to I need to believe that there's still some some sort of goodness. I can't believe that humanity is that people are that inhumane. I can't believe that. So I cannot watch that. Yeah, Kev, Kev, Kev put it perfectly. You, yo, you put it. I mean, I was looking for a way to understand that. Up until you until, until you said that, I, I saw it like the Falcons giving up the, the lead, Falcons. Yeah. Um, New England Super Bowl. Yeah, like when you watch, I've watched that game to this day on like NFL Rewind, and I'm like, how, how they win this game? Like they actually come back. I'm I'm sitting there knowing the outcome. I know the outcome. I know Mr. Floyd died, but I'm watching the video, like hoping that somebody would step in, and I already know he's going to die in front of me. I'm watching this like, wow, this is like, wow, this. I'm watching this again, and and I'm like, yo, yeah, he's gonna die. He's dead right now. Like now, now knowing when they pronounced him dead and he wasn't moving, out now it's a different. But this one was hard to watch, man. I, I thought the Walter Scott or the dude in Chicago yeah. that got hit up with like the fourteen bullets. Um, I thought those was hard to watch. But you're right; those was bang bang. It's over, whatever. But this one is. It was like it was drawn out, man. It was like watching a cheetah on the neck of a gazelle and he got him down mm-hmm. and he just waited for him to just 
like his heart to stop beating. Like, and I, right, well, I'm gonna serve him up to the pack now. That's why this one's That's so different. That's like. why this is so different because people are like, right? The 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 the, the decision or whatever lack of decision, right? You shoot, you say, right, pop, pop. That that thing is like, oh damn, like, you know, he was he wasn't trained or he wasn't this, bro. You. This guy, I don't even know this. What, what was the cop's name? Chauvin, I don't even Chauvin, know this dude's name. What's Derek Chauvin? Like, yeah, Derek Chauvin. Like, like, what's going through his mind at that point? Like, what, what is he thinking about? He didn't. I don't even. When I Yo, watched you it, know, he, know one of the was he even part? talking? He was a training officer no, just, in that scenario. The, the other camera. officers were being trained by him at that time. That was a training situation. Yeah, they, so you yeah, wonder they, how they, we have these kind of outcomes? Yeah, that is an example yeah, he was a of the training. Was it's, a it's a live fire exercise. This is how you snuff out a black man on the street. The old guard, bro. The old guard. You imagine the old guard was like, "Yo, we're gonna show you how it's done out here." Young when you get back to the crib and your and your significant other asks you, "How was your day of training today?" Yeah, you ain't here. How did training go today at work? But I'm Julius. I'm glad you said that. I got friends that are EMTs, man, and they some of them been on been on been EMTs for a long time, right? And they are so desensitized to what they see. It's a it's a normal day on the job. It's a normal day on the job. Man, how was your how was your, how was work today? Oh, we have four people die. It's regular. It ain't nothing to these that. You know what I'm saying? Like these dudes, these dudes who whoever had the the I think one dude had four months on Kev, and the other dude had like. Like two less than two years, and then his man, Tao, Tao, whatever the, the dude I was watching, guard, he got six years. I'm gonna start 12 years in, but he had some shootings and stuff on his record. But this dude had in 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 21 years or 20 years, he had 18 citations against him. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you keep working through that? That's crazy, bro. Especially that in the same crazy. in the same Yo, department, that, but that even without mind, it, just like uh, it you know, the, the road situation that, that you talked about a minute ago. You know, they just they get cycled, man. You know, from department to department. Uh, one of the things I, I do hear, and I want to ask y'all about too, is you know that they're having a hard time even finding people that want to be police anymore and recruiting. And it seems like you know this kind of pool of people um, is what they have to draw from. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I a friend uh, that grew up to be a cop, you know, maybe I might know, you know, a couple uh, with childhood friends that black childhood friends that grew up to be police officers, um, you know, much respect to them. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, us, our peers didn't want to have anything to do with the police or with the law. You know what I mean? But. But but when we get when we give when we give up nah, yeah, nah, you, that you don't want to become a cop. <laughs> interest in taking responsibility for controlling our not controlling but you know serving our communities in that way it creates a vacuum and a void then for other people with completely different interests to come in and step into those roles. So I think that's that's one of the other things yeah. that I would like to see well come said. out of this, man, is more of us step up and take on that responsibility to say, yo, I want to get involved with this. I want to get involved in taking care of and serving my community and let me be the one. Let me let me ask both you guys, black men, this because we, we all got our stories with the police and 
it seems like when a black cop pulls you over with a white cop or whatever or two black it's always extra with these cats man these cats gotta go harder I think for some odd reason they gotta go I have a couple of stories like that where I'm like bro what are you, what are you tap dancing for man you turning this routine stop that you said I, I ran through a stop sign into something bigger like just let me skip my ticket let me go let me go because I'm not gonna sit here and play street corner lawyer with you because I know I'm, 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 I'm going to lose this so let me get home and get my damn court or whatever because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play this trial out on the street right now because that's what we tend to do. We we get hyped. We oh I ain't got to give you my name. I'm like bro, just get get home, yeah. get home and, and then fight. Yeah, I mean day. we all watch Boys in the Hood. Fight yeah. another day. Yeah, it's cops like that, man. They they, they because they is going back to what I just said. But they I think they're also cop, they're also they're looking at this as a job. You know what I mean? Like, I'm because just getting out here for probably, eight or nine hours. I'm, I'm I'm projecting, but I imagine that for them in that role and in that culture of a police department, that they want to prove that they like the stereotypes, right? That they're not being biased, and you know that you might. It's it's like you know. And, you know, you might see somebody else's kids acting up and say, you know, come on, cut it out. But when it's your kid acting up, you know what I'm saying? You, like, you might have a little more severe uh, reaction to it. Okay, you, you, man, you, you guys are on point tonight. I grew up in the, in, the, in the neighborhood back home and in America where the neighborhood raised you. If Miss Carol saw you breaking windows, she whooped your ass, sent you home, tell, tell your mother Miss Carol put you right when you got home. And, you, and, and then your mother father, like, you had to, that, that lady had to correct you? You embarrassed us like that being out there that they didn't have to correct you? That, it takes a village, man. It takes a village. And I think that the policing, from a policing standpoint, it has to happen where these cats have to come from the neighborhoods that they, that they patrol, man. Because when you live up in the suburbs in, in, in an ivory tower, but you got to go into the jungle to fight the good fight. You're not thinking that at these people as they human beings, bro. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have to go in the zoo today and feed the animals, keep and keep law and order. And you know, and keep law and order. What, what? So we, um, we run this um, mental health. This, I told you this black mental health workforce program, and we do it in one of one of the hoods out here in Pittsburgh and Bell's Hoover. And uh, you know, I. I, I, I develop some quality relationships with these these folks that are going through our program um you know from 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 the neighborhood and they were like hey you know we got tickets to the to the Steelers game um for one of the Steelers and we gonna you know they're gonna set up to where we have police police escort you know they're gonna bring a couple of the the police vans the the, the paddy wagons down or the vans or whatever and you know, they're going to load us up and all the kids from the from the after school program and the elders. And, you know, we're going to have the seats right behind the the, um, the field goal post. And, you know, we gonna have free hot dogs and catered, you know, and take and, and we and, and, you know, it's going to be a uh, what you call it, a, a police community relations day, you know, that type thing. And so we had the two young black police officers were the ones that they sent. Hey, y'all who are from who grew up in the neighborhood. And they're like, yeah, we know them. You know, I, I can't remember the, the brothers' names at this time, but they were like, you know, speeding through red lights, like having fun, laughing with us. But the the thing that I remember the most, man, is like there's some type, something weird that happens in my brain when I look at 
a black person in a police officer uniform. It's like I can't, my my, my brain can't make sense of it. Talk about the gun line. It's the boss. gun line, boss. Is that it? That's how I see Kev laughing. It's the gun line, boss. That's a, that's what I see, man. I see that, bro. I see when I heard that statement. When I saw when I saw life and I saw that, I, I started laughing so hard because I went to high school with a couple of cats that became cops. That was punks in high school, and all of a sudden these dudes are tough guys, yeah. real tough guys now. I'm like, oh y'all tough dudes now. So I'm with you, Julius. I'm with you, man. You just look at it. You like you trying to you trying to put your head around it. Like, yo, this, this dude became a cop. Why? And he and even like even even on a, on another another level, another layer. Like, like a part of me is like, okay, I want to believe that you're strong enough to to like you said, call out and 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 the other the other piece to to speak. Like, but then I'm like. Are you though? Like, are is 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 the is the system that strong? Is the machine that strong that it can take the most well-intentioned black person and just they 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 now become a cause? Like, is it that strong? Think, think, think of the think of the military, man. Think of what happened to bro. We all got friends and family that probably went into the military, and you saw instant change when they got back from boot camp or they got back from their first tour and how they talk about the military they either talk about how great it is or man I can't wait to get out it's either those two perspectives you know what I'm saying because when my daughter came out of the military she she was moving different I'm like yo what did what did they do to you in there so they just talk about patriotism and all that and it's that it's that and the other and I'm like wow you know like I just look at it like man you know but you join a team a lot a lot of a lot of people they join a team if 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 a guy don't got family either joins a gang or becomes a police officer because he feel like i need to join a join a group i need to be involved with a yeah. group of people associate I mean, myself I, I with do, some power i do want to go give another shout out because a lot of the dudes that i grew up with um at, at, at least before they became cops you know i haven't interacted with them in their professional world but i mean they were some really solid dudes so it does give me some um, you know, I, I know I could think of at least three or four guys that became police officers, one that became a sheriff, white and black. They were really some solid dudes. I have confidence that, you know, they're still holding down doing whatever they do. Um, but I want to I want to point out, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's just all of that kind of mentality of, of the situation changes you because there's a lot of other things that we know about the police. Right. Corruption, narcotics traffic stealing money you see what i'm saying and so yeah. it's 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 when, when you yeah. get compromised right yeah. it's, it's a position of power in one area then the whole situation turns bad it turns into a free-for-all because you lose your moral authority right and you know if you have people that's in the department that's you know narcotics trafficking stealing money or you know doing whatever you know we saw a training day you know um what what do you you know you how do you have any authority then yeah. to come back and speak and say something you know just because you might not be racist and, and your thing might not be brutality but your thing might be you know messing with little girls or you know something else you know and, and so you know or or, uh -huh. or just cheating on your overtime uh -huh. you know what i'm saying which is we just keep it plain and simple you know um but but then you know how do you have any moral authority then you know when it, when somebody does do something like this to check them and say you know what I'm gonna turn you in and you got you know dirt on your badge at the same time different kind of dirt but it's the same yeah 
yeah, but that's the that's the that's the power dynamic. That's the team, the team play. Okay, if you gonna play ball with us, you know what I mean? Like you, oh, you are you a part of this? Because when it comes down to if you're a patrolman making forty two five, and you walking on a drug bus, and these cats got a hundred grand on the table, you like, oh shit, like damn, yeah, where's money off gonna 50, go? It's gonna go on the Oh really? Because when your superiors arrive, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, nah. you know, I'm not, and I'm not calling all cops crooked. That's not this conversation is about. But we just kind of bouncing it, you know, of of you know, real talk. Like if you're in a position of power, like I said, you we wanted one of those cops to tell Chauvin, like, listen, man, he had enough. But like you said, Kev, he was the he was the twenty year man on the force. He was the he was the alpha dog. He was like, yo, listen, man, this is how we do it. Y'all, y'all just take my lead, cover me. I, I got because if you if you remember on the video, he says, I tell you, man, you can't win. Right. I'm like, did he know this dude from before? Like, has have they tangled before? That this dude that you know that I'm telling you that you can't win. You you're not gonna win. Or oh, now you want to talk to me? Yeah. I'm like, and and what is wit? What is wit? The, the multiple instructions that they give you. Put your hands up. You're getting tased. I'm getting tased and shit. Shaking. But I got to put my hands up. I got to stop resisting. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm getting tased right now, bro. Let me let me get through getting tased first. <laughs> then get to getting my hands up. Then getting on the ground. Like, you know, you give me multiple instructions at the same time. I'm hearing a whole bunch of shit. You know what's the craziest thing? And I don't know if y'all heard the podcast. One of the cops in Atlanta that got arrested... For um and fires for um messing up. I know I know that dude. I know one of them really well. I haven't seen him in a long yeah. time, but I know him. I went to college with him. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I I, I definitely appreciate this talk that we had. Um, we're gonna get some final thoughts right now, and then uh, I'm hoping to have you guys on as regulars, or or if you guys ever want to do your own podcast, it is very easy. When I say easy, you set yourself up in about 10 minutes and you're able to broadcast. And it's a virtual studio that is pretty much self-explanatory of you setting up your music. Because when I chop this and put the music on in about five minutes, I'm going to send it to you guys. And you guys have it. And I upload it to the site. That's how easy this is. But I would love to have you guys. No, I got, I got five, five more and, you know, episodes right make now. Make it a regular thing for us to <laughs> chop up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yo, bruh, bruh. No this doubt. is like comedy. You, the the news cycle writes the material. Yeah, <laughs> it's Marvel movies. If you got the comic book, you got the script. You know what I'm saying? Man, I don't this even know. All right, so final thoughts, man. Um, Kev, where, where we at? <laughs> I mean, I got I got them all out, man. So. <laughs> okay, Julius. Uh, final thoughts, man. I would say, you know. To, to, to try to put some sort of bow or some sort of, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy that believes in, uh, you know, hope. You know, I believe in, in, in the opportunity to heal. So I think that with all this going on, it's like we can't deny the need for mental health, like everywhere. I'm talking like schools, daycare centers, churches, at the cookout, we're talking about mental health at the, you know, like really ingraining it and integrating mental health advocacy and getting rid of that stigma in every single facet of our lives. Because with this, with this pandemic, right? Like we, like, I mean, Allegheny County in Pittsburgh, 
we just went in. This was day one of green. And I'm going to tell y'all, for me, psychologically, I'm still in red. I'm not in green. I, you know, I went, I, I, I went out, you know, for a few minutes today and I came back to the crib. So what's about to happen yeah. is it's not like psychologically, bro, we've been, we've been, we've been in our, you know, in homes and, you know, most of, some of us have been comfortable, but some people have like, they about to come out that cage and we yeah. gotta like make sure we got healing mechanisms and things in place to be able to support people that now they're coming out of a cage and they ain't got no money and they haven't had no food and they got shot in the eye with a rubber bullet during a protest and now now you're releasing them back into society a more militarized society is like so now, that so that being seen because that's, now that's all over the country real quick yeah can you give an elevator speech then on kind of the importance for um having funding to do your kind of work how this crisis has expanded your scope of kind of your mission if it has um and you know to have independent funding you know uh not have your money you know from the label but you know to to be independent For sure. I mean, one one of the the powerful thing that I that I took away out of this week is I just put a made a status on social media that was like, "Hey, we got some money to help black people get therapy. Share it. Hit us up. Here's the email and the phone number." I'm thinking somebody's gonna, you know, two or three people gonna reach out and say, "Hey, I need to see a therapist." That thing got shared over a thousand times. People just found our fundraising link and they started donating to it and the reason I'm giving this context is because um it's like you know political campaign and like it's when people when you say all power to the people and power to the people like everybody we always talk about like coming together and collective and uh economic power but like we we could we can do that with like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty. It doesn't take a lot of money to do that. So, you know, all all this has made me realize that people are really starting to elevate the value and honor the value of mental health, specifically within the black community. And it's making made us realize that wow, like this is this isn't just Pittsburgh. It's not just Allegheny County. This is a global necessity. Like mental mental health is a global necessity and it's a birthright. So for me, like just from having these conversations with Kev and some other people that, that you know, I, I, I keep close, it's like, then, then, then let's set that in motion because we see what the police are doing. We know these things aren't gonna stop. So the mission has gotta be to, 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 to heal everybody. Like that, that's, that's, the, that's the mission. It's like, everybody needs it. Everybody has a brain. Everybody has emotions. Everybody has feelings. Like let's let's get this healing moving. Wow, very well said, bro. Very well said. My final thought is a couple of things, and I always have a sporadic. I have, a, I have the mind of a twelve-year-old and some, the attention of a twelve-year-old sometimes, and always always think about this. I heard this. I heard my one of my daughters um, when she was a little kid. She's a grown woman now, but she's a little kid. In the Girl Scouts, um, one of the girls got in an argument mm. with her, and she got disrespectful. She's like sprinkles off a witness, bitch. Whatever, whatever the whatever they was dealing with, 
they was getting ice cream with sprinkles on it and it was like you don't get sprinkles because you're not winning right now so my takeaway from this week or my little elevator speech is that that everyone now is getting a taste of the barbecue you got invited to the cookout and you see how we eat you see how we dance you see how we get down and, and you see how we might play cards but then you see that when the music get loud and the police show up what happens is what happens now you get a front row seat to see what happened at the cookout last Saturday you know what I'm saying so I always always look at it through that through that lens it's like it's it's it's, it's popular culture to be black or, or a minority until you gotta be that and everyone in this country enjoys a level of privilege you know what I'm saying we are not so disenfranchised that it's that is, it, 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 it's like, oh, woe is me. Because you're a black man, Kevin's a black man, but you guys still make more on a dollar than a white woman. That's a privilege. You enjoy that privilege. Whether you enjoy it wholeheartedly, ha-ha, look at me, or it's just an afterthought that you don't even think about it. You know what I'm saying? You don't think about it. You know, we all enjoy these privileges. We saw before COVID, we saw the U.S. soccer team fighting for fair wages as their male counterparts you know what I'm saying we saw you know we saw um, the most the most uh, the group that benefited the most during Obama's second term was the LBGT community that Trump is repealing all the laws and all the privileges that they got during that during that second run so when, when we talk about privileges everyone enjoys a level and a and a, and a, a piece of a privilege but we don't got that ultimate privilege to go jogging in a neighborhood mm-hmm. to play cops and robbers with a toy gun outside like we all did when we was kids. You know what I'm saying? To be sleeping in your house or to be making making dinner, somebody come through your crib and just shoot you dead. You know, things that things my dad used to always say, things that you that you have people praying for. So when you, when you tell them you don't got nothing, people praying for what you what you already have. Yeah, people praying for that. People people praying for that. You know what I'm saying? Just to get up. Kev talked about being incarcerated one time. There's m- many nights where his freedom was probably worth a million dollars to say, well, you know what? Yeah. I wish I was out tonight at a party somewhere or with somebody or whatever. Chilling. You know, that's worth a million dollars. So, you know, when I tell my friends who've, who've asked me this week, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. How can you help? You help by asking me if I'm okay for number one. For number two, how you can help is at the at the ground level. The next time your friend makes a, a racist remark or a homophobic remark or a sexist remark, correct them. Like, yo, hold up, man. I know how you feel about don't bring that shit in my crib. Like, don't don't bring that around me. Like, I know how you feel about certain things, but do that. I'm not mad at Drew Brees for saying what he said. I'm mad that he apologized for it. That made me that made him look weaker to me as a person. However, I felt about the comments. I'm like, bro, don't walk it back now. Own that. You, you said it. Own it. You, it's yours. It's yours. Un- unpack that luggage. You know. So I hope you know we still have these dialogues, and and this is still popping two, three weeks from now, where it ain't all forgotten. But we'll see. It, like Cab said, man, this is a cinematic movie unfolding. We in we on part two right now. Is there gonna be a, another sequel, prequel, whatever? What's gonna happen next? We're just waiting to see. I thank you, brothers, man, for choosing the manual. This was awesome. I'm going to chop right, up. Peace, I'm going to chop it up, and then I'll send it to you within the next couple yeah. of minutes.